Hey gang, it's Harold, and here's another podcast. I'm going to use this forum to share my thoughts about the games I play and the people I meet. We'll experiment and work to find some interesting content, and look forward to your thoughts, comments, and ideas. You can share them at the Herald on Games Guild on BoardGameGeek. This podcast is singularly composed of an interview with Terry Leeds, who's the graphics director at the San Diego Air and Space Museum, a wargamer, and a gifted wargame component designer. We'll tour the museum and talk to Terry about his work. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to your feedback. Terry Leeds followed in his father's footsteps when he joined the Navy. His father flew over 150 combat missions in F-4 Phantoms in Vietnam. After a significant time in the pilot seat, Terry moved to intelligence. He cultivated a love for art and war games while in the Navy for 11 years and the Naval Reserve for 12, retiring after 23 years of total service. He found a place to exercise his love for art at the San Diego Air and Space Museum and has worked there for more than 10 years. He's currently the graphics director and leads the graphics team on their mission to enhance your experience at the museum. Their work is outstanding with promising plans for the future. In the 1990s, Terry got involved doing counter and map work for Ed Wimble at Clash of Arms Games. Today, he has counter, map, and or box credit for over 60 games and magazines. His favorite contributions are related to Clash of Arms games' Libertai series, and Battles of the Age of Reason games, and of course, Liberty or Death. Spending a good bit of time with GMT games recently, he did work on Liberty or Death, At Any Cost Mets, Fields of Despair, and Cataclysm. He's currently working on Mr. President, Imperial Struggle, and Tank Duel. He also did a breakthrough map for the most excellent game coming in Strategy and Tactics 316 in 2019, The Campaigns of 1777 by yours truly. I met Terry at the San Diego Air and Space Museum. He gave me a tour of his favorite exhibits and graphics. The sound isn't optimal, but the opportunity to talk to Terry in his natural environment was well worth the price. Well, and this is the rotunda, and we, we do have some significant items in the rotunda that are kind of from all periods. So this is a replica of the Spirit of St. Louis, but it actually flies. They built this out of Gillespie and then flew it from Gillespie to the to Lindbergh wow. and then trucked it up to the museum. Wow. It was like a one-time flight because the insurance is very expensive and all that. But sure. but, but this I'm is... I'm sure given that you can't see out the front. Right, right, right. So I, I believe that some of the guys that were involved in building this had a connection with the original team that built the first one for Lindbergh. Right. Um, I don't remember the exact details. It's probably in the signage. Um, but yeah, so this actually flies and it's as close to the real thing as you can get besides the one that's actually hanging wow. at the Smithsonian. That's the actual one, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, this is a replica of Charles Lindbergh. Right, we got this animatronic. And in hopefully our... he doesn't fly. No, no, he just talks. <laughs> and people seem to really gravitate towards him. It's right. kind of like the president's 
shows up at Disney. Yeah, it's compelling. Yeah. yeah, so we're gonna we're doing one. We're having one of Amelia Earhart made right now, of another animatronic. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so we're so gonna keep there, adding is to there the an collection. Amelia Earhart. We have a small display around the other the other side of the road, of the building. Yeah, right. Uh, we kind of move in a curve. It's a circular building, the old Ford building, so it moves chronologically, um, except for the special exhibition, which sits up in this front spot. We trade a special exhibition out every every year um, to add something besides just the air and space. Right. So this one is geared towards racing and speed and that kind of thing. This so, is the Apollo 9 capsule, the actual Apollo 9 capsule gumdrop. So it's on loan to us from uh, NASA and the Smithsonian. Welcome. Yeah. So you can step up on there and look in there. So this was in space. And you can see all the burn marks from re-entry and all that. So this is the actual Apollo 9. You can see how much room they really had in there. <laughs> it's a pretty tight fit. It is. It yeah. doesn't look, uh, well, you know, it's kind of canvassy, right? Yeah, it doesn't yeah, look comfortable yeah. at, at, for any period of yeah. time. And where you're standing right now, um, at one point or another in the last 10 years since I've been here, just about every living astronaut has stood on this spot for oh, a group right? photo. You know, Neil Armstrong, Jim Lovell, Buzz Aldrin, I mean, all of them have been here in front of this capsule at one point or another to get their group photo taken for one event there or oh, another that they were here for. That? Yeah. We even had Adam Ant come here and stand. Even and Adam get, Ant. Yeah, and take a tour. <laughs> he was here in town for some concert and right. one of our education directors, English, and so they hooked up somehow. And, and he got him over here to take a tour of the museum and all that's that. That's terrific. So it's kind of funny. It's this is like a lot of rarefied air right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 With, yeah. The, with the, the uh, astronauts and animals. Yeah, that's right. There you go. That's true. This is a complete replica. This is just a model of a Bell X-1, but they built it to specs. You can tell the panel lines are, 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 um, are fake. They're just decals. So it's not, it's not a real airplane, but it's built to the actual size. And we actually had um, Bob Hoover, who flew the, the chase plane, and Cardenas, who flew the bomber that launched this, and Chuck Yeager, who was in the cockpit, all were here at one point watching them build it and took a group photo of them oh, in front great. of it. So, yeah, it's just everything here has kind of a piece of history right. behind it, not just right. what the plane actually did, but the people that came to see it and that they kind were, of thing. They were and, here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah. So that's now, so so what your your contribution here is the graphic yeah, presentation. Yeah, my title is graphics director. Right. Yeah. So we have a shop downstairs in the basement, and uh, I have two part-time people um, right now and a volunteer. And then Ruben, who used to be full-time under me, is now split off and become the interactive technologies director because mm -hmm. he's he does the web, but he can code iPads. He's a really okay. smart guy. Right. So he's he's helping bring the museum forward into the current century and trying to upgrade stuff so he's he's down there too but he's his own department now right so we're kind of a collective team creative team down there right yeah yeah so so, so goes Bit, without saying that the things we see here are, bits and pieces some were done before me okay. some were done by my predecessors some were done before the age of computer right. so that's one of our one of our bugaboos is that we're at some point we want to reset the whole museum signage wise so that we have a coherent cohesive set of signs that that all hold together and make right. sense because right now we have hodgepodge right and it's just a matter of taking the time and trying to do that so you'll see a, an eclectic mix of different types of signage right. like some well, of the with signs my eye for graphics i won't see that <laughs> but i appreciate so that. we we did the wallpapering that's us right we so terry you were saying that this business had another or this 
building had another use before you started. Yeah, it was the Ford building. It was built for the for the expo. For right? the expo yeah. in 1915, right? right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, and then it. I guess it's so Ford, of course, Ford Motor Company. Right, and there used to be on the top of the building Ford in big right. red letters. But when you come out of that, you come into the World War One gallery, which is kind of cool. They kind of themed it with wood and sandbags. And, That's great. Yeah, kind of an old hangar thing over there, and a part of a balloon. And, so some of the planes in here are real. Some are, are replicas. And, and real meaning they they work. That, well, real meaning comes from the their original oh, from right? World War One, yeah, wow. or from that era, yeah, yeah. So I, I think. I think the real ones are the 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 uh, spad over there mm-hmm. with the British markings, and I believe that Newport. The rest are replicas. Right. Yeah. We did all these. They're kind of fading now and coming off the wall, but the, we did the graphics. They wanted something to, for World War One timeline. With, yeah, uh, yeah, showing all the battles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Events and developments. Yeah, yeah. And they have some actual artifacts in here too. The some of the Red Baron stuff and all that. These are all real helmets from the period, yeah. It's a lot of work that goes into some of this stuff, yeah. Right, and then your <laughs> wife won't let you leave it in <laughs> yeah, the living room, right? right? I got my glasses on. I think that's Richtofen's um, Blue Max. A sign from the pre-computer days. Right. So it's a whole different style, yeah. Right, yeah. right, with a real picture taped on. Yeah. Its early history is unknown, but it was probably shipped to the United States shortly after World War One. So this one's the real one. Right, right. This one in the spad. The rest are replicas. Yeah. This is a replica from the movie, from the movie Amelia. Right. This is what they use this in the movie. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is her real shirt. That's her. This is some of her actual artifacts. That's her shirt. Right. And some other stuff. So I think they're going to put. I think they're going to put her um, animatronic over here. Right here. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. We have volunteers that come in three times a week and they they build stuff downstairs so some of the replica aircraft were built by our volunteers that guys right? that used to be in the field and they do this as a hobby right so they built this it took about 10 years but they, what a beautiful they built a, a full-scale replica of the gb yeah doolittle's racer back from the 30s yeah wow so it's all to specs you know and it's exactly the markings are exact and such a beautiful plane. yeah and it's wow. all built by guys just on their own time right yeah it's like a giant model <laughs> Perfect. And then it gets into World War II. Our volunteers built this one as well, the Peace Shooter. That wow. was all built by um, by volunteers. That was probably a 10-year project. Yeah. So this is actual size, but it's not the real thing. It's a replica. It's one of the secret jets that the Germans were working on. Right. And uh, there was some there was some controversy over whether it was designed to be stealth or not. So Grumman did a test. They built this replica out of the actual materials and they did a, a, a radar cross-section test on it at their site right. and found that it was actually pretty low radar cross-section. But they don't, some historians right. say, well, they weren't trying to do that. It's just an after effect. really didn't have radar for long. Uh, we, I mean, who knows? Right. It never actually was flown uh, in combat or anything, so we don't really know what its true capabilities were. But right. it's interesting. So Grumman loaned it, gave it to us oh, that's cool. to, to put up the on display. They used to test right, it. right. So it's actual size and all that. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. This is a real P-51 Mustang. Yeah. How pretty is that? Yeah, isn't that a cool airplane? And we actually have the signatures on the tail of some... This is in the markings of the red tails of the Tuskegee Airmen. Oh, yeah. So we had some of the retired Tuskegee Airmen come and visit us several times, and they actually signed the other side of the tail, some of the famous fighter pilots from oh, Tuskegee Airmen. Yeah. And we actually had... Um, 
some of them sign this engine. This is a ME262 engine. But we had, so here's, here's uh, um, Brown, one of the Tuskegee Airmen. He shot down a 262. And then we had a German 262 pilot come through once and he signed it. Is that right? So you've got a German pilot signature and you have one of the Tuskegee Airmen signatures. Who shot one down. Yeah. That's awesome. What great history. Yeah, yeah. That's even better than standing in their place. Right, to right, see right, what they, right, right. To see that they wrote something. So that's a that's a um, that's a model. That's a, a word mock-up of a ME one hundred and nine BF one hundred and nine. Pretty planes so upside down. Tell you need to tell management. Yeah, yeah. The rest of the planes in here are real from from the era. Yeah. Wow. So one of our one of our um, good friends in the museum. He's since passed. Um, flew the Spitfire initially and then switched to the P-47 Thunderbolt and then the P-51. His name was Steve Paisanos. He was called the Flying Greek. He actually came here as a young kid from Greece, jumped ship into the United States and got a job working in a restaurant and learned to fly. And then when the war broke out, he went and joined the Eagle Squadron right. and flew Spitfires for the Brits. And then when the U.S. entered the war, he came under the U.S. Army Air Forces and started flying the P-47 and all story. that. And he, he became an ace right. and then was shot down and captured oh, really? and held in occupied France and, and until he was eventually liberated. Yeah, he, he had all kinds of stories. He wrote a book called The Flying Greek. I don't know if we have a case on it or not. But that is well, I think this video talks about it. But there, he was... About 13 years old. Yeah, this is him. way to school. Steve Paisanos, just an amazing guy. He was a, he retired as a colonel in the Air Force and just would tell us all kinds of stories. He, he passed last year, but he was just amazing to talk to. Just a chest full of medals and just all kinds of stories. Yeah, yeah. He talked about sitting in a church in France, occupied France, and sitting there with the resistance in, in the pews during the service. On either side of him are you know, Gestapo and SS and their full uniforms and the priest is giving his sermon, but what the priest is really doing is giving the marching orders to the resistance in code through the sermon. So they're listening to the sermon, and the Germans are just there listening to the sermon. The resistance and him are listening, okay, we're going to hit this bridge, this truck convoy, and this is all happening right in front of their noses. It was just amazing. Hollywood wanted to do a movie on him, but the U.S. government said you can't. Everything he did was classified. Really? So they never did a movie, but he was—he uh, was the thing would have been of legend, you know, Hollywood, Cary Grant playing him or something like that. Yeah, yeah, just amazing. Yeah, what a great story! That would have been. You couldn't make up a better no, story. No, no, people wouldn't believe it if you told them. Right. Now this looks like a piece of a ship. Interesting. Yeah, enough. this gets into the whole flight deck thing. Right. Uh, we've got the old wooden flight deck and the the bridge up here. We have a gray railing here right now, but they're repainting it, so that's why all the cones are up. So this is a, a Corsair that actually was a French Corsair, but they remade it, refurbished it. It was wiped out by Hurricane Katrina. So we recovered it. I think we got it from the Naval Aviation Museum in Pensacola. And our volunteers again restored it, repainted it, and they made it Jerry Coleman's plane. His markings when he flew it in Korea. Oh, is that right? So he came over before he passed. Right. And Jerry Coleman stood in front of the plane and you know gave a little speech. And so there's a lot of history that's oh, kind of gone on. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
now if you look at the museum as more than just a snapshot yeah, yeah. of what it is, yeah. the people that have passed and touched yes, it, yes. not just at the time, but later. I don't think he was too excited about this particular plane because this plane, the eight bird, he crashed this on takeoff. He wrote, he, he rolled it because I guess it's really tricky with the torque and everything. So I don't think he had real fond memories of this particular plane. So I think they put, it's so a there's a painting of Coleman. Yeah. It's a beautiful plane. I'm always oh, yeah, amazed. Yeah, yeah. And how it can maintain its structural integrity, given the work that the wings do. Right, right. For folding and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah that's a captured zero. Yeah, that's the real thing. That's it's not a, a real replica. deal. Yeah, it? yeah, wow. Yeah. In a real uh, actual wildcat and an actual SPD dive bomber over on the other side. Flying wing and a mission. Before the museum had a graphic shop, um, the director would use a company in town. They're still here called Giant Photo. And they, they're the ones that put that up there. Um, they created the image, got the image and blew it up and mounted it and stuff. Right. And, and we still do work with them today. We, we have them do stuff for us. Yeah. 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 So it comes in sheets, I guess, right? They print it. In yeah. Sheets. I don't know how they put that up there. That's been up there for years, long before I'm just I thinking, got here. I'm just yeah. thinking, you know, you think, how, how, what is that? Is that 30, 40? It's 30 feet, I think, from the, from the base of the, from the floor to the right. base of the ceiling. Yeah. It's 30 feet. So I'm just thinking, what kind of map could you make out of that? I mean, liberty or death, 30 <laughs> by 50? You'd have to get, you'd have to have a, a, a one of those electronic hydraulic lifts to move yourself around and yeah, move the pieces. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it wouldn't be pieces, it would be life-size. Yes, people, guys, yeah, 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 in yeah. uniform, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you used to be, you told me a story once that you used to be a reenactor. Yeah, yeah, you I did that for a while, yeah. Yeah, and you were partial to what, what? Well, it was a British unit. It was the the Royal, the twenty third Royal Welsh Fusiliers. Yes, and they they were re, they were simulating the American Revolution, the early part. Right. So we had bearskin caps and 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 all that. And I think the unit has since switched to the late war Yorktown. So that now they're wearing kind of felt um, slouch hats Cheaper and that hats. kind of thing. Yeah, well, because they're moving around in the woods and stuff. Right. And in the, in the back, they simplified their coat. They right. simplified a lot of the stuff they didn't need anymore. Yeah. Right. You know, try to make it more practical. Right. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to a big intimidating. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so it's a California group? Yeah, but it's part of the Brigade of the American Revolution, I think it's called. And I think it's global, but a lot of them are in the United States. So a lot of East Coast units. There's, there's continental units, French units, German units, British units. Right. And they all, you know, try to strictly adhere to the... To the, the uniform and, and to make it authentic as authentic as possible and you can't go out there with stuff that's not authentic right yeah and they for a while and one reason why i had to give it up is uh, they drill once a month i mean right. you have to practice using the muskets you have to practice no poser, just keep talking. you have to practice uh, marching and, uh, and it's, uh, they had the actual f- marching field manuals from the time and they were trying to do everything exactly oh, the way I'm they sure did it some people that really get into the rules <laughs> and it, so it was a big commitment in right. time. The funnest thing was the we actually got to be the opening scene for um, um, National Treasure. Yes. The opening battle scene with the British soldiers and the Continentals. Right. That was the British guys were us. Yes. Oh, really? And, and so we spent all day at a place out in L.A. in the hills for the photo shoot. And the amount of money that they put in to just those 15 seconds, I mean, trailers and costumes and and food trucks and right. huge cameras on swivel booms and a, and a the, the director sitting with panels of screens watching each camera shot and all these cam- it was amazing wow. and they were choreographing all this and they they <laughs> 
some of the regular extras were the Continentals, and we were just hired to bring in the flavor of the uniforms. But they had us charging them, and they quickly found that I was best suited as a dead guy. <laughs> so, Terry, you're going to be we're going to you're going to be a casualty. <laughs> okay, I can do that. So you they fought. weren't they weren't buying your charge, were they? No, I, the guy was trying to coach me. Like, I can't want you to thrust at me like this, and I'm going to do this, and I, you know, so I'm doing my best. But right. okay, you're you're a dead guy. <laughs> right. yeah, that's so funny. So the first of all, you you fall down <laughs> and, and don't move. <laughs> So they actually pulled me off later and they sent me into a tent and they started taking my gear and digitally scanning it with laser beams to make digital soldiers. So some of my gear, my actual gear was became the digital content. Wow. And then, then they let me go and they were still filming. So I, I go, okay, there's the flag. So I went and got as close to the British battle incident as I could because I figured that would be in the shots. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. So yeah, it was quite a day. So yeah. you're a dead body by the way. Yes, yes. That's that's uh, that's <laughs> terrific. And and that's also interesting though. You've been cloned as well, right? Well, not me, but my but gear. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but just seeing that whole process was really. I've always been fascinated with Hollywood and how they do sure. special effects and do all that. And right. I mean, they were yellowing our teeth. They had us in a trailer to yellow our teeth. And we're not even, I mean, right. we're not even up front. We're Terry, way in the back. Terry, your teeth are beautiful. We need to fix that. Yeah. So it's like that, the detail that they got into mm. for even the background shots for people that were going to maybe not even be in the scene. Wow. It's just incredible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah. this is the ready, we did a little mock-up ready room and a little bridge up there that kind of fits in with the carrier right. theme. Love it. And then this kind of gets into modern age. Right. Some space stuff, some jets. That's my painting right there. I did that. This here? Yeah, the F-14. You can't really get back there. <laughs> they have it pushed back for... What, uh, so what do you, when you do something like that, what do you use to... Well, I use computer models to get me in the ballpark, and then I redrew them on the canvas and then painted it with an acrylic undercoating to kind of get the block values and the color in. Right. And then I went over the oils, water-based oils. Wow. And then... And then I asked, asked my boss if I could do that. We do a Hall of Fame induction ceremony every year. Right. Um, and this particular year, this was a few years ago, we were inducting Top Gun, the organization. I'm not very good at doing faces. That's not my forte. Mm -hmm. But I, I have done paintings of airplanes before and illustrations and stuff. So I asked my boss if I could do the one for Top Gun. And I had a family connection to it. So he said, yeah, go ahead. So I did that, and then that was presented on stage. My dad was there, and oh, and, cool. and and uh, and now it hangs in the museum. So that's kind right. of cool. That's yeah, terrific. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So when? Uh, what year? This was uh, probably five or six years ago. I can't remember what year we inducted Top Gun. And they say on there, no. 2011. Top Gun was inducted in 2011. Right. So that I did the painting, you know, leading up to that. Now, do you? I, I've noticed that a lot of uh, what you do looks closer to real than it does a painting, right? Right. So do you use a similar methodology when you do tanks and when you do, you know, the the, the uh, um, tank duel right. work you've done, right? Right. Those tanks look like working tanks. Well, I'm going to give... <laughs> so for a lot of the work I do because I have you to get it done quickly. This. Yes. <laughs> so a lot of the work I do because I have to get it done quickly. Right. I use computer models. Okay. And I'll and I'll stage the scene. It, it's my they're my models that I bought. Right. You can buy tons of them online. Right. So I'll use the model. I'll get I'll I'll be the movie director and get the lighting the way I want it, and then then I'll then I'll render it. But then I'll take it into Photoshop, 
and do stuff in Photoshop to accentuate or add detail or whatever. So it's, it's, it's not, I I don't sit down with a blank canvas Mm -hmm. and draw a tank and then paint it. I act for, for a lot of the work I do, I start with a computer model as the base and then get it to kind of where I want it. And then I'll embellish it in illustrator and Photoshop. Right. Um, So, so look, that, from I, my could, I could that, I could do it the other way, but it takes I, forever. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, it yeah. doesn't hurt my heart that you don't do it the other <laughs> way because you know the only way we get your gift of artistry is the fact that you can do a lot of them. Right. 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 And the, and this, the computer models allow for that. Yeah. Yeah. And and I I have gotten rusty in my drawing skills. I it's one thing I kick myself on, is is you know I I know that I need to get back to the roots of being able to confidently sit down and draw this airplane or this pilot right. and not and, and and not have to rely on a computer image to get me in the ballpark because there's a lot of artists that can do that right and i'm just amazed by their talent and their skill right you know and so that that's something that i i, I want to work on at some point to kind of get back to that that's awesome yeah. but that's your own demon right <laughs> yes i mean none yes. of us would ever know or, or care yeah or, yeah yeah, or, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah we just want to make sure you keep doing yanks right <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so it is my own so, demon yes yeah, yes, yeah. yes interestingly enough <laughs> But we have we all have them, right? Yes. So this is an A4, mm-hmm. um, uh, and one of our former board members and a, a friend of the museum is is a is a is a uh, uh, what's the medal they get? Flying cross. He got a flying cross for his his efforts in Vietnam, flying one of these. So he came in and, and sat in the cockpit and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. And we have an actual Blue Angel F-18. That oh, they gave wow. to us. Yeah. oh my goodness, yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So these two planes are real. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the Blue Angels. Wow, what a striking yeah. plane. Yeah, yeah. Some of Wally Shiraz stuff. He was a friend of the museum. He lived locally before he passed. He'd come to the museum often and just cruise the hall. Just walk like we're walking and we'd just go up and say, Hey, it's Wally, how you doing? We always just joke that it's just Wally's world and we're just kind of sharing it with him. Right, right. <laughs> Well, if you yeah, wanted to give it to him. Yeah, yeah, so one of the original Mercury 7. And uh, he would just kind of cruise up and down and chat with you, yeah. talk to you about stuff. Yeah, wow. it was really something. There. So lived here in San Diego? He lived locally. I'm not sure exactly where, but right. maybe in Sanitas or something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. Yeah. And then downstairs we have the, is the restoration area. If you want to see that, I'll take you down there. And that's where our offices are. And then we have upstairs over here is where the admin, the CEO sits. And, and, and we actually have a pretty big library. It's one of the biggest collections in the country, if not the world, of aviation stuff. Wow. So if you ever want to do research, you just contact yeah. the library and say, hey, can I come in on this date and I need these right. books and they'll set you up. I, yeah. If you have the time, I would love to see the restoration. Okay, let's go down. Before we head to Restoration, the highlight of the behind-the-scenes tour, Terry tells me about his father, who was a war hero in Vietnam.
Viper is real, the PBY is real, the F-4 is real, the MiG-17 is real. Now, Terry, you served in the Navy, as I recall. Hmm? I did, yeah. I was in for 23 years. Is that right? 11 active duty, 12 reserve, yeah. So you retired? Yeah, yeah. I try to retire from the reserves. Yeah. Right. So I don't start getting benefits until I turn 60, <laughs> which is fast approaching. <laughs> yeah, fast. my dad was a Navy pilot. I grew up at Miramar in Oceana. He has quite the, 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 the storied career, and, and I guess was I was inspired by that. So I wanted sure. to be a pilot, too. So I went to flight training and, and picked up a couple hundred hours um, in a variety of Navy aircraft, but then decided that's not what I wanted to do. So I switched to intelligence, oh, yeah. became an intelligence officer. Yeah, yeah. So I did that the rest of my career. But um, yeah, my dad's really impressive. He, he helped start Top Gun. He was actually offered the first CO position of Top Gun. Is that right? He flew F-4s in Vietnam, over 150 combat missions. Wow. Yeah, he uh, brought the F-14 on, on online. He was the first CO of an F-14 squadron out at Miramar VF-1. Wow. And then he was CAG, and he was the CO of USS America, chief of staff of Sixth Fleet. And so he, yeah, when I, I, I'm always just awed by, because right. he did some really hard things in some really tough places. Sure. And he's pretty candid about it and will talk to me occasionally about he still kicks himself over the Marines they lost in Lebanon. Yeah. He was part of that debacle and, 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 and uh, of course, all the missions in Vietnam. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. He lost a lot of friends and all that. Yeah. Well, it was the greatest generation, right? I mean, he's he's maybe a little past that. Yeah. Kind of the tail end of that. Still, yeah. Right, for yeah. All of us yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. So I spent many, 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 many years at Miramar and, and you know, watching these things fly overhead. And, wow. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's terrific. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess Top Gun was F-4s before it was F-14s, before Top Yeah, Cruise it was actually yeah. started with F-4s. Yeah, yeah, it was actually the replacement air group, the RAG, right. the F-4 RAG, where they were kind of touring with tactics. The operations department was tinkering with, you right. know, we need to do something. We're, we're not, kill ratio is not very good in Vietnam. Right. Yeah, and right. so they we need to get back to basics and learn to fight, close-in fight kind of right. thing, and not rely on radars and missiles and stuff. Yeah. Right, right. So that was kind of the genesis of it, yeah. So he was part of that initial cadre and they and offered 150 missions in vietnam he served yeah he yeah about. yeah so they offered him the position he turned it down because he was already halfway through his tour and didn't think it would be right to start and then have to leave so he turned it over to the next guy pedersen i think pedersen became the first co but he was actually part of that nucleus so that's kind of cool that's, that's why I, I, he came out here for the top gun induction right and why i that f-14 actually got a guy in the cockpit with a vf-1 helmet Right. Because he flew with the F-1 oh, wow. and the F-14. Wow. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So that's a powerful connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. You, that you didn't share. But yeah. I appreciate, you, <laughs> I appreciate you, you bringing it up. So I can I can imagine it was a very emotional uh, yeah, yeah. presentation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Beautiful. You want to go see restoration? Yeah, okay. let's do that. So here they're building the replica of the H-1 Hughes racer. So they've gotten the plans and they're they're piecing it together. Right. So yeah. that's real. That's real metal work. That's, yeah. Uh, no, these guys are you know have this is their skill set. They they still love doing it. So they come in and do this on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. This is where they built the the GB and where they built the pea shooter and then they take right. it out to Gillespie to paint it and then they bring it back and put it together again and put it up on the floor. Yeah. So they're out here with rivet guns. I mean, they're bending sheet metal. They're doing everything. And the, over the other side is the engine shop where they work on engines. So we have a little 3D printer where they can do some parts. We're getting a bigger printer and we can do bigger parts for the planes. Right. Just have them fabricated out of plastic. <clears throat> so this is where we get free CAD support. We have volunteers that come in and do the engineering diagrams. We work on these computers back here. Look at all this stuff back here, all these presses and 
drills. This is and, a real machine shop yeah, for I mean, an if aircraft. You were, yeah, yeah, you just go nuts if you right. use what you like, right? right? I mean, look at all this stuff. And all of it's from the air, probably. Right. <laughs> so these guys that come here, I think, are just in heaven. You know, they look at all these tools. They work on engines back in here. And right. the tools alone are, have stories, I'm sure. I mean, you know, I mean, these things, you, you know, these are like from the 1940s, 50s, right. yeah? <laughs> right. And they're still working Not on Not easily acquired. Yeah, and they're, I mean, found. this whole thing could be a museum of just machinery right. to make stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's an SR-71 engine over here, a real one. Oh, really? Yeah, the Air Force loaned to us. We just don't have... <laughs> Room for it on the floor. Hey, Bob. Hello. All right. There's just so, no room on the floor. It's so too big. An no, it's an A12. It's an What's A12. Um, it's a CIA version, right? The A12 is a CIA version of the SR71. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. a one-seater, and uh, yeah. that one upstairs flew from 63 to 65. Bob's and, a docent, so he gives the talks all the time. We're told <laughs> that, oh, hi, Harold, Bob. Sorry. Uh, it could take images from 85,000 feet quite possibly reading your license plate in 1965. <laughs> wow. Which, I mean, how many wow. Do that? Right. I'm sure they're doing it now, but oh, I think they were doing it in 65. <laughs> 65, and who yeah. knows, right? right? So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, interesting. So, Bob, what's your favorite part of the museum? What's, uh, uh, I have two favorites. this, if you don't mind. Oh, really? <laughs> we are, yes. Just be careful uh, what you say. <laughs> okay, yeah, no. Well, I think my favorite plane is the P-51 Mustang, because right. it's such a classic. And then, uh, being from Chicago, uh, they have a small display on Butch O'Hare, who O'Hare Field is named after. And what you don't know, you may not know this, Butch O'Hare's father was Fast Eddie O'Hare, and he was a lawyer for some guy named oh, yeah. Al Capone. That's right. That's oh, right. was that Fast Eddie? Uh, yeah, Fast be, yeah. Eddie convinced yeah. the accountant for Capone to give his tax records to the feds so they could indict Capone. And then the feds came to Fast Eddie and said, you know, what, what can we do for you? He said... Can you get my son into the Naval Academy? Oh, wow. And the rest <laughs> is history. Yep. Nobody in Chicago I know knows that. Right, 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 right. right. That's, <laughs> That's terrific. And that, he flew he the Wildcat. Yeah, Wildcat. Yeah, he Wildcat yeah. in uh, gotcha. World War II. Did he fly Wildcat at all? Yeah. 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 He died in a, uh, an accident, I think. Towards the end of the war, unfortunately. Right, he didn't survive the war. He didn't survive huh? the war, so. Yeah, yeah that's about my favorite His part. The stories so. are extraordinary. The right? stories are A to Z. I mean, even starting World War One, there are stories you... Yeah. I don't think anybody ever heard of. So most of the engines used in the plants of World War One were lubricated by castor oil. And you know what castor oil is used for. So all those photos of the daring aces with goggles and scarves, they weren't for a fashion statement. They were to block the fumes because if they didn't, when they landed, they didn't go to the briefing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. See you, Bob. So this, oh is, this is a real SR-71 engine. Look, this is from uh, Star Wars... <laughs> yes, two. I've seen yes, this. yes. It's the 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 pod runner or whatever right, for the right. pod racer. Yeah, right. wow. that's a big engine. Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah, yeah. So amazing, huh? It's a, it's awesome. That, what a cool. So it, this is and this is used, right? This that's is, a real one. That's is, a real one. Yeah, 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 yeah. This yeah. has been in space. Probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. After the tour through restoration, I got to meet Terry's team in the graphics department and we go on to discuss Terry's war game resume. Can we get a picture of everybody, if you guys mind? Like a team photo? Sure, they'd be happy to. Let's go over to Where Terry. do you want to use my desk? I'm sorry to interrupt. I was hoping it's it would be easy. So you guys are awesome. Thanks so oh, much. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> Appreciate it. So a lot happens down here, actually, yeah. yeah. We have a good time, but we get a lot of work done, and 
We do special events over here. Workstation for you. That's Minimalist. Well, I do a lot of standing. You like to stand. <laughs> right. I sit too much, so. Yeah, yeah you, and, you and me both. That's yeah, great, right? Yeah, yeah. Rumsfeld was famous for his standing desk. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. To stand. There's some great pictures of him standing, and it looks more like he's preaching than oh, standing oh, at a oh, desk, oh, but, oh. Which, which was fitting, right? Yes, but, yes. <laughs> so the, this, this, this is a whiteboard, right? We don't use it very much. We, I mean, it used to be for like drawing and stuff, but now everything's digital. We use it occasionally, but it hardly ever goes on. So it's, it's much left easier from to my... scan over something digitally than it is, or to scan. Yeah, 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 draw yeah, over yeah, it. yeah. This used to be the model shop. They used to build models in here. Right. So before I came, and actually before the guy that was before me, that this was the model shop. Right. And then they they um, decided that the museum needed its own graphic shop. So there was one guy before me that that became the, the graphic artist, and I I replaced him when he left. And this is the big printer. Yeah, it's about 15 years old now, so it's coming up on the end of its lifespan. Yeah. And the guy came out and re, you know do a preventive maintenance on it. And he said, yeah, that print head you've got when it goes, you're out of luck because. They don't make that anymore. You can't get parts. Yeah. Well, so. 15 years in that. Yeah. In that It's been a workhorse, space. though. Epson is really nice. Yeah. So it's been a workhorse. Yeah, I'm sure that it was a pretty penny. Yeah, yeah. Originally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So this is where I spend most of my day. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, when I'm not wandering in the museum. <laughs> I was looking through the list of things that you've yeah, I didn't realize I had done. done that much stuff. It's, it's really because yeah. it kind of melds together after a while, and you kind of lose track of it. It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and not until you sit and think about it. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like creating a resume right. if you haven't for a while. Right, right. Which, which is what the, what it is. Kind of. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I was noticing a, a couple of things. One one is that um, it looked like the first credits are 94, 97, 98. Yeah, that's when I first started doing stuff for Clash of for Arms. the hobby. Yeah, yeah. So you were yeah. a war gamer before that. Yeah, and and mainly don't play them a lot. But I like to tinker with them, right. and I like to. I mean, I appreciate the maps and the the game pieces, and 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 if the game is good, I will lay it out and kind of tinker with it solitaire. But right. a lot of my games just kind of sit on the shelf. And that was true before you started yeah. working on them. Yeah. I know it's true now. I'm yeah, just yeah, it was. Yeah, and I think that's. I don't know what drove me to to initiate contact with Clash of Arms. I think I was. I know what it was. I was. I was already into graphic design so I had a computer and a printer at home and I could I started doing my own game pieces because I was not happy with you know subjective it didn't right. what didn't strike my fancy some of the game pieces on a particular game or something so I would go in and, and build my own set and do it just for me right and then I, I think I realized well maybe I should approach a game company and see if they need an artist right so that's kind of I talked to Ed Wimble I think Clash of Arms he was the First mm -hmm. one that that um, you know extended me the offer to do some work. Right. Yeah. So and I, you did a ton of work. For, I mean, I ended up doing a bunch. Yeah. I ended up doing a bunch. Yeah. 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 So what's your yeah. favorite uh, piece of art from from those from, days? From those days. Probably the Lipatai games. The and the and the battle from the Age of Reason because I like the tactical level and the uniforms and all that. So the counters. Right. That that style's not my style. That's the style they were already using. But I got to embellish it and do right. kind of my own thing with it. But yeah, this. Those when you put those pieces out on the table, that's kind of evocative of miniatures, I guess. And the counters, and the counters yeah. are beautiful. Yeah, so that's kind of those are probably the things I think of the most. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, yeah. And, and we were talking about you know anywhere where you have a figure, right, right. That that oftentimes you start with a photo you've taken of a reenactor somewhere, right? It I could mean, be some some mm -hmm. of those some of those are that, right. Um, some are digital, yeah. Some are the ones I've just staged them myself and then right. reworked them. Some of the stuff you can get, you know, online, 
for either copyright free or you pay for it to get an image that, that's from an old drawing or something like that. Right. Yeah. So that's all real tricky. You have to be careful what you're doing so you're not grabbing something that's copyrighted and put that into a game that goes goes out. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't be good. Yeah. So you're honoring the intellectual property. I try to, yeah. I try yeah. to be really careful about that because yeah, you don't want to get the company in trouble or yourself or whatever. Right, yeah, yeah. right. No, that would be a bad Yeah, plus it's just not ethical. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Do you, have a, do you have an approach when you decide you, when, when you're engaged to do a map or counters, is it different? Is it a different approach for each? Do you, do you um, how often do you get to play the game before? What, what do you think about when you go through this process? I don't know if it's a set process each time. It comes from, I think, to a certain extent, my interest in the subject. You know, and, and, and the creative juices sometimes will just start flowing and you'll get ideas. And sometimes I probably jump the gun and, and just go with my initial think of it instead of maybe looking at different ideas and then picking the best one but I get I, I get wrapped up in the topic I think and and, and I'm, I'm interested in it and I get ideas from looking at things and looking at other people's work and and you know just everyday stuff you know ideas for textures or you know my familiarity with equipment you know all that like Liberty or Death you know I'm, I have all that gear right. you know so I kind of already know in my mind what I want to see right and then it kind of it kind of just goes from there. Creativeness is kind of an odd duck to quantify, and sometimes it just happens. You know, you just start thinking about something, and you get an idea, and right. and run with it. And other times, you're kind of stymied and struggling, and right. you know, you have to kind of work through it. And yeah, but I think it all comes back to the client and, and or the game designer, because right. we're not doing the art for art's sake. It's meant to be part of what that product is. Right. So it's important that it all works together. If I do a really cool drawing or something, but it doesn't help the player play the game, then then what's the point? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So no, I, yeah, I think that's. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of the unique things about your application and what you do is that that you are inclined to try to link or collaborate with the right. designer, right? Right. Because so right. many times. Right, the, the the graphics artist comes in and they apply their view, right. and then they move right. on. Right, and they're and they're and part of it is they, they're pressed by time. Right, they don't have time to redo stuff. They don't right, have time. right. But you're the opposite in that you just get obsessed with the project. Right. right, right. And my wife probably gets mad at me for doing that. Right, and I'm sure your compensation like, you're just, comes down to five yes, bucks an yes. hour. Yes, she's going. What are you doing? <laughs> well, I just I got this is what I do. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the collaboration is awesome. I was thinking about. Um, Liberty or Death, we were working on <clears throat> the pieces. Right, right. right. And so uh, you didn't do the art for the for the um, sort of the initiative markers, right? There's a, So there are four initiative markers in the game, and there's the arrow. Yeah, the, and, yeah and, I didn't do so the you counters. Didn't, you didn't no, do no, it, no, and we no. didn't work together on it. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the, the GMT graphics department did it, and right, right. not a lot of time. They just, they right. Worked. But then you and I talked about it, and we said, okay, well, what about instead of an arrowhead, we use the hatchet? And it's right. like, oh my goodness, how did I miss that? <laughs> right? And, and yeah. so it was that a collaboration. The other thing, the other great idea you had that still sticks with me is instead of the crown on the British piece. Oh, the GR, the Royal Cypher. suggested the GR, which is, and, and I didn't realize at the time, but it's, pro, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere, yeah. And that, when I think of the British Army, even in the Napoleonic Wars, I always think of the GR. I don't know when they right. change, well, whenever, whenever 
George left, right, is when they changed the royal cipher. Right, right. But it was GR for decades and right. decades. Yeah. Right, so it's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And and, yeah. and it would have taken a little bit of collaboration to get there. Right, right, right. 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 Um, yeah. but, and, you know, I mean, it, it is, is always, you publish a game at some point. Right. There's everything could change and right, you know, right, so, right. so I'm not I don't lament that but yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's it would just you know if we'd spend a little bit of time on collaboration with with the graphics artists. So and, I, and and in reality you were able to play Liberty or Death with me. Right. And I don't a always couple of times. and I don't always play the game that I'm working on. Right. And, and just, I, I, mean, I try to get the rules. I try to always ask for the rules. I just finished doing um, for now Compass Games um, um, forgetting his name, the guy that designed it. Yeah. He did it he did a He's taken that sub-concept of a, a solitaire sub-hunting game right. and now doing a night fighter, German night fighter game where you hunt bombers. Oh, cool. And so it's cool. night fighter, night fighter ace, right. I think is what it's called. So I just, I, I wrapped all that up not too long ago for for, for Compass. Um, but I, it helped me to go through the rule set. Right. Even though I hadn't played the game, I right. could read through the rules and it gives me some ideas right. about how maybe things should be on the game pieces and stuff like that, yeah. Because otherwise I'm kind of lost. I kind of, that's how I wrap my brain around the project is maybe look at the rules and stuff. Well, I think that the the functionality improves too, right? Right, I think it serves you, but it also Well, it's hard to design for something if you don't know what it's supposed to be doing, right? Right, right, so you have to spend the time. Right, if there's a particular value on the counter that's critical to everything, then I would make that big and very noticeable. Right, right. As opposed to hidden and kind of off the side, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that kind of concept, yeah. So, um, is the box art angle different than maps or counters? I mean, it's not functional, and it's it can be more artistic. Yeah, there's more freedom there, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, So some of those are are kind of montage things that I've done, and you know, some of my early work I look at it now and I kind of go, "Thanks." Right. What was I thinking? So I'd like to think I've learned something, you know, in the project since then. But sure. But uh, I did all the I did all the cover art for for Turning Point. Those games that against the odds, the subset of against the odds magazine Turning right. Point simulations. They did the twenty one games from Creasy's book. Right. I just finished those um, last last year. Did the last of them. We we're doing them in sets of four, but I finished the last set of four. I think all twenty one are out now for sale. That's cool. But I those covers I would do. Um, I would kind of think, and they weren't all hit. Sometimes I did something that they didn't like, and, and I would have to redirect. Um, Seems like a lot of work. Yeah, and that's my fault for probably not being more communicative with. Because sometimes I just go, right? I get an idea, and I go, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This will work. Be right. perfect. Or, and I or get their fault for not being clear. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's, well, yeah, but I, but it's up to me to say, okay, this is what I'm thinking. Right. Before I go any further, what do you think? You right. know, oftentimes I'll just go bang it out, get pretty right. close to done, show it to them, and they'll say, "Well, that's not really what we were thinking." Interesting. So that's my fault for doing that. Right. Yeah. And but most of the time it was a hit. And again, those a lot of those were computer models right. to get me in the ballpark. And then I would do Illustrator and Photoshop effects, and then we kind of set the from the very beginning. They wanted battle scenes, but I said, guys, to do a whole battle scene is an inordinate amount of work all the people involved in, in, in showing something. So what about just a solitary figure in the right uniform with the kind of the ambiance of a battle and mm-hmm. you know for that period and so that they, they said, yeah, that, let's do that. So mm-hmm. every one of those covers is a single guy or a small number of guys. Right. Yeah, yeah. And they came out pretty good. I think most of them 
I'm pretty happy with. Some of them I would have probably changed some things, but sure. Yeah, but those are all a lot of computer heavy stuff in it. Yeah, right. yeah, and then and then some embellishment in Photoshop and Illustrator and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you're doing you're doing a good amount of work for for GMT now. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. I see. Um, I had to back out of some stuff, but I'm but I'm keeping the Mr. President and the Tank Duel and Imperial Struggle. I've I've committed to those, so I'm going to keep working on those. Yeah. And you did Fields of Despair. Did Fields of Despair. Fantastic. I did that after I did yours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. is yeah. fantastic, except that Luxembourg doesn't touch France. Yeah, I know that apparently caused lots. But, but, but that I know was that's, that's I had, not your that, fault. That was what I was told to do. I know that's not your fault. Yeah. Because <laughs> apparently a lot of people got upset about that. I, I raised the flag early. <laughs> oh, did you? And so it was. It was. A, it was. A well, known, other people have chimed issue. in too, right? Other people chimed in yeah, on yeah, the yeah, fact. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it was, yeah. I'm just saying it was a known issue. <laughs> uh, but uh, you all, you did Cataclysm, right? I did. So yeah, yeah. Cataclysm's yeah. smoking. I mean, everybody's very excited. About they haven't that. sent me my copy yet. Yeah. So I'm hoping to get well, my free copy sometime be, be in the mail. Yeah, 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 yeah. So look, people are enjoying it, huh? Uh, everybody's fired up about it. Okay. And okay. everybody wants to play it. A few people that I've heard that have played it have said great things. Okay, cool. And uh, cool. you know, this this new trend of kind of opening up that sandbox of World War II. Right, right, right. Uh, is right. just when you when you right. start earlier, it's even even bigger sandbox. Right. So right. I think everybody's right. pumped. But but you, I haven't seen the map, so I'm looking forward to it. Cool. What any any cool stuff in that map that you can? Um, it's pretty basic. It's. I mean, I tried to do kind of a retro period kind of feel, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty basic stuff. Right. Yeah, nothing real elaborate on it. Yeah. yeah but I think it's. It and that serves was by a, choice. I, mean, I think that, it serves its purpose for people playing the game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The yeah. designer wanted that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. So yeah. Not, yeah. Not like. Um, I did the deluxe version of the Paths of Glory map, the new release that they're going to do. They're going to do the one side of the map, map board is going to be the traditional one that Mark Seminich did, but Mark wanted me to do. A different one that's kind of set up for tournament play, and he right. kind of let me go crazy on the retro kind of feel. So it has a lot of feel to despair, kind of feel to it with the mm -hmm. kind of the period font and all that. Right. Sorry, and and uh, um, <laughs> and and uh, so the, I was kind of pleased how that came out. I guess they're getting ready to go to print on that pretty soon. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. sure that's gonna yeah. be awesome. Yeah, looking yeah. forward to that. I yeah. haven't seen that map either, so I'm looking yeah. forward to that. It's got some helmets and ambulance on it. You know, kind right. of right, World War One stuff kind of memorabilia and all that yeah so the other thing you did for me as a huge favor was campaigns oh. of 1777 oh, yeah. which is 2019 decision games <laughs> 29 we've done for two years but right right but uh it's um this is funny because it's strategy and tactics 316 which is biblical almost right it's okay yeah, it's kind of funny uh but that map the, the play testers are going i can't even believe this is a magazine Really? Yeah. They, oh, wow. so, so it's the map and the counters. Well, working on that made me want to play the game. So I'm kind of excited right. about seeing it too. Well, I, yeah. I don't live far from this. <laughs> so it's, uh, um, uh, would love to play it with you. But yeah, but, yeah it, it's, uh, the map is extraordinary, right? And then instead of using the colonies, we use the departments. Right, right, Which right. was an interesting, I think, change right. in how we kind of look at things. Right, right. Kind of Washington's planning, right? I'm sure yeah. how he looked yeah. at it pretty yeah. much. But, uh, but that map's beautiful. How did... I mean, and the other great thing about that map is, you know, the Hudson River strategy for the British, the concept was you kind of go down the continent the only way you can, right. and you cut off the colonies right. to the north. Right. And when you see that map, you say, I understand. Right, right. How do you, it's beautiful. How do you do that? That started with a 3D, I have, I have a whole pack of software that lets me do geography in 3D. Wow. So I can pull up any part of the world and 
again, I create the angle and put the sun where I want to put it, and then and then and get get. I can d distort. Shouldn't you ask the designer if the sun's in the right place? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's something. Well, some of them. Well, see, that's the thing I learned. You can't always go by what the real world is because it won't look right. And so and I learned. I learned this from reading MapMaker. I did a whole. I studied cartography guys for a while, learning one online and reading how they do cool maps. And and they said you have if you put the light source at a different angle than what it should be, you'll create a reverse effect and it'll look like the mountains are recessed instead of coming up. So when they make maps, the pro photographers, they always put the light source in the upper left corner because that's how the mind reads the three-dimensional effect of the shadows and the light and it appears correctly. So if you were to put the sun or the light source in the lower right-hand corner, it would appear as depressions as opposed to mountains popping up. Wow. So even though the sun would real life be coming up over here, if I did that on a map, it might not look right when you're sitting down looking at it on the table, things, your eye and your brain would go haywire. So don't be constrained by astronomy. So, right, so I always put the light source <laughs> in the upper left, even though the sun would never be up there. Right. But that's how the train reads correctly. Interesting. And that's not me, That's guys have done this for a living for decades, saying right. this is why your map looks weird, because your light's coming from the direction your brain can't handle. Wow. Why, I don't know, but that's what I learned. So right. I try to always put the light in the upper left. Right. And that seems to, and it works. It seems right. to make the train read correctly for your brain. At the very least, it's the convention, right? Yeah, <laughs> that, that yeah maybe that's why, because that's what we've always been seeing. Been maybe. Trained. Yeah. So I start with that, and then I embellish and Photoshop and Illustrator. Right. But I didn't actually go in and draw every little hillock. And I mean, there's some guys that can do that. Right. If you have the time, I mean, you could go in and do a hand-drawn map that's right. just amazing. Right. But I start with a 3D and then exaggerate and, and then add stuff and embellish. And, and if it looks too fake or too Photoshoppy or too digital, I, I'll, I'll go a different direction, right. depending on what I'm trying to do. But that one seemed to work. It worked. It's Because I wanted to capture the terrain, the hills, because that forms the channel. Like right. you are just saying, it gives you the feel well, you can't go there, you can't go there, you've got to go there. Right. And right. so it kind of worked with what you were doing with the lines of communication and all that. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And, and uh, the response has been overwhelming. Oh, so. good, good. And I know that, that, you know, Decision isn't famous for taking good care of their subcontractors, but right, right. Uh, they wanted you to do more. And, yes, and, so I guess that and, was a good sign. And as you know, they've asked me to do three more. Well, okay, well, that's and, a good which, sign, right? Which I'm not going to do but, <laughs> uh, for the same reason. But, you know, yeah. for me, it's always, uh, I had a, a uh, good friend uh, that isn't with us anymore that used to play games with me when I was young. He loved strategy and tactics. So I said, how cool would it be to have a game in strategy and tactics? So, right, right, right. So that'll finally be realized, and with your help, because I, you know, graphically, it's just like liberty or death. That game wouldn't be as cool as it is. Well, thanks. Appreciate without that. Without yeah. the yeah. graphics. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a pretty cool guy, Terry. <laughs> you are. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so, so uh, that's that's awesome, and and, and much appreciated. I enjoyed working on it. Um, so, so a couple of odd questions to close, and and the first one is what what do you listen to music wise? What what do you like? I have a lot of d different stuff on iTunes. When when I'm the only one in the shop, I'll blast it from rock and roll to jazz to blues to alternative and all that. Lately, I've been kind of hooked on this group called um, War on Drugs. They're they put out their second album, I think. They're it's kind of an eclectic mix. It's kind of they picked up a little bit of Bob Dylan and a little bit of Springsteen and their own take on, so it's, I guess you call it alternative or rock and roll, but right. it's just, the music is 
just really resonates with me. So I like just about everything they put out. I can't remember the lead singer's name, the guy that run, runs the band, but right. it's the name of the band is War on Drugs. Love and, it. And, and they're, I guess they're getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, you'll have to Google them. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. their music is really cool. They play some of their top songs now off and on on some of the local radio stations. Yeah, oh, but good. not on a regular basis. Yeah, right. Some of their songs are kind of long, and radio stations don't like that. Right. Yeah, they want the model. right. They want the quick one. They can turn over and yeah, yeah. yeah That's yeah. cool. Love it. Yeah. yeah. So what about um, what about things that you uh, watch on TV, movies, anything you? I just saw Shape of Water, with? and I hesitated because of all the buzz. You know, okay, this is a Hollywood hype. This is going to be you know overblown and but i thought it was a sweet movie i really liked it and my wife and i watched it and she goes wow and, and, and i so i appreciate del toro's ability to craft a movie but the story itself whether or not it was really his story i guess is now currently being debated but but i mean he made it his own regardless of where he got the idea right. i thought it was a cool story i could relate to all the characters in the movie right i could i liked how he used the color to Everything had a greenish or bluish tint to it, which fit the water. Color. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. So I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was pretty, pretty good, pretty right. good movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I loved it. Yeah and, uh, yeah, and I couldn't get my wife to go see it. Really? So I had to watch it on a plane, coast to coast plane. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I love sci-fi. That's, yeah, that, yeah. That sometimes plays almost a secondary role. In right, the story. and this kind of made you think. It's yeah. kind of the movie made you think a little bit, and right. yeah, and some yeah. interesting ethical dilemmas. Yes, and, and the characters all could be related to in, a, in one right. way or another. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think that science fiction is best when it's dealing with those ethical. Right, 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 right. So. Um, what about read? Do you, do you spend any time reading? You're um, such a visual guy. When I sit down to read, I fall asleep these yeah. days. But I, for a while, I still have a, my Audible account. And for um, for years, I would listen to books as I drove. Yeah. Mostly history-related books. Right. And every now and then, I'll break them out again and listen to them as I drive. But I've been kind of taking a break. Right. Just kind of listening to music. But but I, I mean, a lot of ancient Greek stuff. You know, I'm fascinated by ancient history. and, and But I've... African Kaiser I listened to, which is about von, um, the the German general that fought World War One in Africa, mm-hmm. Colonel German Colonel. He led a guerrilla campaign against the Allies in Africa. But the whole story of him, the Sorry. author, the English lady that wrote out of Africa. I mean, they were a romantic thing for a while. Von von Lobeck, and he had an integrated force of of. African natives and German soldiers, right. and he picked them because they knew what they were doing, not because of the color of their skin. Right. And they were NCOs managing white guys, and, and it was an interesting mix to fight the war. And he didn't see them as indigenous; he saw them as competent soldiers to help him win the battles. So the whole story is very fascinating. So that 1493 um, bomber boys, um, I mean America's War for the Greater Middle East. Written by Basovich, the colonel, the, the Marine, the Army colonel, right. who's now a, a professor, I think, at one of the universities. Right. Yeah. So that kind of stuff. Almost all history related. Um, a couple of historical religious stuff on, you know, um, Muhammad and, and Christ, and from a historical perspective. Right. You know, what would we really, what do we really know about these people as real people, not right. the religious side kind of thing. Yeah, kind of archaeology, kind of archaeology, and that kind of stuff. So the Kaiser's Pirates, I mean, Waterloo, you name it. That's good. <laughs> so I used to listen to all this stuff and, and then and then 
and then get inspired by the topic and go buy a game right, on the topic. Right, right. My wife would kill me because another game appears at oh, the doorstep. Oh my God. Well, I just read about this. So I want to see this game on it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> no. I know I have closets full of games that don't get played, and, right. and my wife just shakes her head. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm trying to make progress in getting rid of them, but it's yeah, slow I can't, and deliberate. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's a yeah. lot of work, and, yeah. and somebody's just going to have so, to take them to the garage sale. So I, I have to tell you this because it's it it it, it covers a lot of what we've been talking about, and it gets to that last question you were going to ask about what games do you play. Yeah. I had purchased a couple of the Combat Commander games over the years. Could never get into playing it because I couldn't wrap my brain around the card play. But I wanted to see the graphics, and it seemed interesting. So they kind of sat on the shelf. Then Great War Commander came out from Hexison, and I saw the promotion for that, and I saw the maps, and I saw the counters, and I saw the cars, and I said, wow, I want that, just for that alone to look at it. I have not been able to stop playing it since I bought it, since it came on the doorstep. It's just immersive. And now I can, because of the graphics, I can get into the game and now I'm wanting them to redo the other the versions in, into more of that style of graphics because to me that's what I like. Maybe right. not, it's not for everybody. I've seen people comment right. on the Great War ones that it's kind of hard to read some of the train. Right. I personally love it. I look at it and to me it's evocative of a miniatures table and that's what I like. Mm -hmm. It comes to life. Mm -hmm. So I would like to see them retroactively maybe up, not upgrade and enhance is the wrong term, make different right. the graphics on, which are completely functional and good, right. but different style than what I like. Right. And if they made those games look like Great War Commander, but with a World War II slant, I would go buy them all again. Yeah. That's Isn't that funny? That's, that, what, that's, great. that's the only thing that got me into playing well, that game. Well, it's good yeah. that anything yeah. gets you into, because that yeah. system is elegant. Yes, and yes, and I was missing out on all that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know, I haven't seen the map encounters for Great War. I've seen the back of the box. The counters are slick. I like them. I, well, they're pretty I much like, the counters are pretty much like right. the, the GMT but version. But the map that said. The, the maps and the cards are all done with a period feel. The fonts, right. the, the textures, the, the, so the whole thing has a period right. World War One feel. Right. Plus, I've always been interested in World War One. Right. So it was, I got it, laid it out, and started tinkering with it. And go, this is a blast. Right. So, just solitaire. This is a blast. I can't imagine playing face to face would be even more right. challenging. Yeah. Well, yeah. any time. Yeah. Right? Right. You just right. got to stop on your way home. All right. We'll, we'll, right. we'll play. Uh, <laughs> let me say thanks for taking the time, Terry. Sure. It, sure, Harold. It's a treat. I, you know, I've gotten to know you so well over the years after living your death, and uh, just love your work. And I think you're a great person. And, cool. Thanks. And uh, enjoy working with you. I look forward to collaborating. Yeah, uh, including my next project, right. which South I'll, which China Sea one, right? That's right, yeah, <laughs> which yeah, we'll yeah. talk about later. Yeah, but, right. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's been a pleasure, and thanks for taking the yeah, time. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. So that's a wrap for this podcast. I'll publish some notes and references on my website, conflictsimulations.com. Join the Herald on Games Guild on BoardGameGeek for some exclusive content and to leave me any comments with your thoughts and suggestions. Thanks to the band Jenny Don't and the Spurs, based in Portland, Oregon, for the intro and outro music. Check them out at jennydontandthespurs.com. Do me a favor of sharing the podcast with a few friends. That'll help get the word out. 
And I'll close with a special thanks to Terry Leeds. And that's it for me. As always, I'm an original, but in need of some restoration. And I'll be back soon.